100 episodes? What time do you call this? Do you think you can just chuck out episodes late? I know you're all thinking it, but Callum, year-end is absolutely doing us in, and we're trying our best to get our podcast episode out, as well as doing our own jobs. Been a pretty busy week, but a pretty good week from an Aberdeen perspective. I know, that's the, that's the one shining light right now. Um, bit of a concern. Um, it's not usually like that, but no, yeah, three wins on the bounce. Look at us go, we're absolutely flying into the second century of episodes now. Is that right? Does that make sense? Who knows? Yeah. I'm sure it'll be corrected. Yeah, well, it kind of makes sense to me. It's year-ends haunting us. The Dons are haunting the Cinch Premiership as we racked up our third consecutive win on the bounce and our second away win of the season as the Dons defeated St. Johnson 1-0 in Perth. And it's quite a jam-packed show we've got for you today on Red Tinted Glasses. So welcome to those of you that regularly tune in or if you're new to the show, I hope you enjoy for the first time. We'll be covering that win in St. Johnson, looking back at the talking points from the AGM that was held through the week and also previewing the trip to Easter Road on Wednesday night with Michael Monin as ever joining us to look at that with a Hibernian view um, from that game. But Callum, we will start with the game in Perth. You were in attendance, um, so no pressure on remembering things. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the third game in a row, we named uh, same eleven. I don't mm. think we can have any complaints given that the performance certainly that we that we put in over the, the previous two games. No, not really at all. Um, I, I, I was I was in spent the weekend in Perth, and then this Aberdeen game chucked in. It was just I like, know a little bonus, definitely not planned that way. But um, you know the same starting eleven consistency in that and consistency in results. It's weird how that uh, works out. Now the chance we're getting now we're actually getting a chance to play um, mm-hmm. sort of same without having suspensions, injuries from week to week. Um, yeah, and, it's, and it seems to be paying dividends. There was no complaints uh, when the starting eleven came out. I think it was basically what oh, certainly what I expected. I guess probably what most people expected. And uh, eventually, I mean, it took a little bit of while to get going. It wasn't the best of games. It was very cold, pretty miserable. But it got the result in the end and, you know, consistency in lineup, consistency in results. Hopefully that'll carry on. Yeah, I suppose in these games, it doesn't matter about the performance or what the game was like, if, when, especially when you get three points. I mean, mm. I, I certainly hope people weren't going to the game expecting goals, given only two of the last 15 games between the sides have produced more than three goals in them. And, and it's also four straight meetings between the two sides where the home team have not come out on top and just on that point where you made about you know consistency in team lineup and consistency in result um, at Fit Badadi on, on Twitter who is a, a regular listener uh, to the show he made a rather amusing point how Jet has had three starts and the Don's have had three wins you know since his kind of exile from the, the squad so to speak um, and you know we've been quite critical of Jet and maybe we need to cut him some slack because he's coming and results have changed as well. You know, he actually probably put in from what I saw, I watched parts of the game on on BBC Alba, it it was live, as live on Saturday night and I watched the highlights as well and and Jet put in a decent enough performance and kind of unlucky not to score in the first half but, you know, Xander Clark had a good save. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think he could have done much better with that header either. He put it in the right direction, pretty far down to the corner, and obviously Clark got across to it. But he, mm-hmm. you know, he put in a decent performance. It's somehow obviously he's been you know criticised, and we've done it, and most people probably have too. Mm-hmm. But his touch and all that stuff is still there. He's still got that that quality that like obviously that shows why he was on the books at Arsenal once upon a time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes. 
it's a bit laboured at times and all that good stuff. But then he pulls out these little these little tricks, these little fixes. It's so I'd say it, great feat for a big man. One of the oldest yeah. cliches in football. And uh, he performed performed very, very well. And no reason he won't keep his place uh, going into the Hibs game too. Obviously, he, was, he came off perhaps and well, it, it ended up changing the game. But perhaps yeah. maybe because, you know, he's not been involved too much again. And that was another game. But um, no complaints regarding J. Emmanuel Thomas. That is a new new thing. Yeah, and I suppose for the second game in a row, we will come on to it, the importance of maybe the role he had and then introducing some some fresh legs into the game mm-hmm. and that change obviously having a positive impact on the Dons and, uh, well, not really, well, result, I suppose, this weekend, but mm-hmm. not so much uh, against against Admin. But mm-hmm. once again, we saw the Dons kind of start positively in this game. Johnny Hayes, um, as I said, you know, putting in the cross for J. Emmanuel Thomas, who headed down and Xander Clark, um, you know, saved well. And then Lewis Ferguson also hitting the post uh, from a corner. I don't think he knew much about it, nor did many others uh, as well. But again, in these kind of games, we always speak about wanting to start games positively, especially at Pataudry. But when you go to, you know, I would kind of class McDermott Park as one of these so-called tougher venues away mm-hmm. from uh, away from home anyway you you do want to kind of start on that front foot don't let a team as stuffy and as niggly as St Johnson kind of assert their own game plan on, on the game 100% they were they were and you say niggly they were very niggly throughout the game um, I, I do agree in the fact it's uh, even though they do currently sit bottom of the league I'm sure that probably won't be the case uh Come the end of the season, but it is a tough place to go because, as you say, they can't. They do know exactly what they're doing. They might not mm. play the prettiest of football, but they, what they do, they usually do quite well. Mm-hmm. And um, I think they will, will definitely feel aggrieved that they didn't get something from the game, and especially and also when you consider the conditions and that pitch, not an easy place to go. So to come away with three points uh, is a major, major bonus. And uh, on the basis of play, I'd probably say it's deserved. Maybe not how the goal came about, but regardless. Mm. Yeah, I know it's it's interesting for for a supposed tough venue. That's now ten home games without a win for the Perth Saints. So you know maybe they're they're making it easier than than we're making it out to be. But mm-hmm. you know for a team like us that haven't travelled away from home very well, I think we know we've got to be taking the positives from that that game and that result as well, because. It's, as, as well as it is, you know, getting those results at home and having that confidence, we've seen it before where we don't go and back it up. And, and as we said in, in our last episode, this was the game we really wanted to see what Aberdeen were kind of made of in a way. Mm. You know, you've beaten two teams that you're expected to do, especially at Tawdry, now go away. Again, with no disrespect to St. Johnson, given where they were in the league, going into the game, the form and run that they're on, it was expected, I think it's fair to say, that we would take maximum points from that game. Uh, and yeah, it maybe looked as the game was kind of going towards 90 minutes that it wasn't going to come that way mm. before, as you said, Teddy Jenks popped up with a helping hand. Ah, nice one, I like it. Um, but no, yeah, 100%. We placed, we placed emphasis on the show that... Um, this was a massive game in terms of having, as you said, having got two good results at home and going away where we've not been very good this season. So it's mm. it is just encouraging to see. And hopefully, you know, the tide is maybe starting to turn somewhat in Mr. Stephen Glass's and Aberdeen's favour. That would be very, very nice and very welcome, especially, you know, around this, this festive period. We all want to be happy. So fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah, well, you know, when I was doing the, the research for, for the episode today, I didn't actually realise how good our record was 
uh, in Perth. Uh, we've actually now not lost there in five years. The last time we uh, tasted defeat in, in Perth was in the 22nd of April 2016. And St Johnston, you know, as much as they huffed and puffed, and as you said, you know, they were niggly, they did have a claim in that first half for, for a penalty when Chris Kane and David Bates were involved in a coming together we'll, we'll call it but um, and then I think there was I think it was Craig Bryson I'm not sure who was maybe mm. slipped in the box and there was maybe appeals for that to be a penalty as well but, but on the actual Bates and, and Kane coming together my first initial reaction was that Bates uh, sorry Kane took Bates down to the floor and I think when sports scene you know went through it it became more and more apparent were you a bit nervous in watching that in real time that that was going to be given I certainly was. I, I do agree with you in terms of uh, having seen it back and that it was probably Chris Kane knowing exactly what he's doing, the type of player mm-hmm. he is. Um, but yeah, I was definitely nervous. And then also then when that's not given and then Bryson goes down and then I'm thinking, oh God, how many times have you seen it before where they miss a decision and then go for the next one? Um, but thankfully, Greg Aitken did not give it an air. But I was, uh, I was twitching a little bit. Um, might have been shaking from the, the, the cold or the weather, but... Yeah. Um, you know, it, well, yeah, I wasn't, wasn't, I wasn't very pleased uh, when I saw that. But thankfully, we got away with it. And then uh, Greg Aitken did us a favour later on, so that was okay. Yeah, exactly. Nice again. The, the, about time we got some rub of the green from the the men in black in the middle. And I suppose you know the way Bates handled himself in that situation is just again emphasising he he's really kind of come into his own over these last three games. There's no kind of I think maybe coincidence given the fact that we're, you know, getting the momentum going and we're okay, we've we've conceded the, the goals against St. Minim, but we're we are looking a bit steadier defensively. I say very cautiously. Oh yeah, yeah, we have to say that cautiously. But that you know, it's a clean sheet, it's a clean sheet away from home. And I think now, yeah, I, we've said it that Bates and McCrory forming a bit of a partnership. That's another game. Uh, now under the belt together and they do seem to have a lot more of a, an understanding I think perhaps our defensive frailties in the season were perhaps you know it, was, it wasn't helped by uh, the lack of consistency back there mm. uh, in terms of lineup. but you know it, it's encouraging to see and they are both performing very very well it's not just we're getting the clean sheets but they're you know snuffing out the chances they're looking pretty they're looking pretty comfortable with the ball at the feet for the most part but um, you know it's encouraging. We now we've harped on about this. It's going to go badly at Easter Road, isn't it? Yeah, we're setting ourselves up for a fall. But I suppose you know, as you said, you know, picking up that first clean sheet away from home, it is actually the first clean sheet that we have had away from home under Stephen Glass. And ironically, it is the first away clean sheet we have had since April, which also came against Johnson in a one 0 win uh, towards the back end of last season. And I think the defence should take encouragement from that. You know, that's two clean sheets out of the last three games where, as we've said, they're beginning to form a solid partnership, look a bit more comfortable Mm -hmm. for the most part. But also going forward, we, you know, have looked good, especially at home. But I think, Callum, it's fair to say Saturday was maybe a frustrating day for the likes of Ramirez and Watkins. It was, yeah, it certainly was. I think for the most part, and those two and maybe Hedges, they, they weren't in the game too much actually. Mm. Uh, at times, I thought I thought it was probably harsh that uh, Jay Manuel Thomas was the one to come off first. Um, but you know, it, it was 
we did we did enough. Uh, I think the service perhaps maybe was a little bit lacking uh, as well. But I suppose when you go to you know McDermott Park against St Johnston, these kind of things do happen. That's sort of the things they try and do and isolate it. But you know we've seen we've seen the players go through uh, have a game or two like that, and we said that. And then Ramirez popped up uh, against St Mirren with a double. Obviously, Marley Watkins been amongst the goals too, and then Hedges had the goal the other week as well. So it doesn't concern me. And I also like to give a mention to Conor McLennan, who came off the bench. And uh, he mm. performed pretty well. Obviously, he didn't have much time to influence the game, uh, but he caused them a problem. And I think that was definitely mm. apparent um, sort of from where I was watching. So that's encouraging that, you know, another option off the bench, a player who's not been involved too much, uh, has problems with injuries and just been out of the team. So um, they're very pleasing all around, even though if those three perhaps didn't have the games of their lives, at least Conor Klein came on and had an impact too. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And I think, you know, we, we already spoke about the impact that Teddy Jenks, well, briefly, we'll, we'll come on to it, but that Teddy Jenks had off the bench, you, you're, you know, you're picking up on Conor McLennan's impact as well. It, it kind of reminds me of that earlier part of the season. And, um, you know, the game that always stands out was that game against Hearts at Tynecastle when we made the change at half time, and we were kind of getting a bit on the back foot against them and we made that change and and then that, that, you know, changed the game totally. So it's good that we're kind of getting back into that way of, you know, the, the August, September time where substitutions did have a positive impact for Aberdeen and mm-hmm. cer- certainly welcomed. Because again, I mean, from what I've seen of the game, it was the second half looked like St. Johnson came out in the ascendancy and Sean Rooney had his uh, shot from distance that Joel Lewis had to turn around the post. And Chris Kane had his header, which when I was checking my in-play at one point when I said St. Johnson hit woodwork, I thought, oh, here we go. I know what's coming next. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of those days for Aberdeen. But I think it's safe to say, as we, we just touched on, other than those kind of threats that St. Johnson had, we held our own defensively. We did, I think, especially uh, certainly, certainly to Ross McCrory. I remember him, which didn't result in chances, clear-cut chances anyway for St. Johnson, but there was a few dangerous balls into the box and I think uh, mm-hmm. there was one where Lewis, uh, Lewis Ferguson scooped it out as well at one point. Yeah. Um, it, it's positive, we did look certainly, sorry defensively. It was a bit of a concern, that one hitting uh, Kane in the post. I definitely felt the same way at the ground where I thought, oh no, it's going to be like Tanner Dice or something like that all over mm. again where uh, they'll just start going in the ascendancy and eventually grab a goal. But thankfully that was not the case. Uh, I did was a little bit worried uh, when Chris Kane hit the post. I thought that I thought that was going to just nestle into the, into the net. It seems to take a lifetime to get across there and Joe Lewis <laughs> sort of scrambling. But thankfully we got away with it. Uh, maybe yeah. say, you could say sometimes you create your own luck, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. And I suppose it's, you know, fortunate the way the ball bounced off the post, it doesn't, mm. you know, hit Lewis and go in because that's kind of the luck that certainly he's been having recently or, and, and definitely that Aberdeen have been having. And it's an interesting point you made there about the kind of comparisons to Tandice Calm because when I listened to Stephen Glass post-match, that's exactly what he referenced. He said, you know, the game against Tandice, he felt that game was heading for a draw, but Dungeon United did that maybe a little bit more in terms of creativity mm-hmm. and, and went on and caught the winner. And that's exactly what we did. Like I said, I was caught some of the game on Alba and that last 15 minutes in particular, I felt, you know, we were kind of growing into the game. We were the ones that were trying to kind of create and find a winner. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the Marley Watkins opportunity when he ran through and decided to toe poke it towards goal. Certainly didn't look like the shadow himself from the man that had grabbed two uh, against mm. the previously, but it didn't, as a team, the head 
this didn't drop, that we kept going. And, and, that, and that in itself has got to be seen as a huge positive. I think so. And I think the travelling crowd uh, sort of fed off that as well. So I remember, unfortunately, I was sitting down in the sort of side stand, but I do remember getting out of the seat and sort of everyone around me and getting behind them and uh, giving a bit of a roar. I think just a haze a few times, uh, getting, maybe getting slipped in behind. But there was a couple of opportunities as well where he didn't even get slipped behind, where perhaps that was the be- better opportunity. But uh, after after the scare, it did sort of it did sort of feel that way, and eventually, you know, it, it did play, pay dividends. Uh, thank goodness for that, because mm-hmm. it was not a, it was not a good day otherwise. It was bloody miserable. Yeah, and I suppose just as well it paid off, and the the pressure paid off, and Teddy Jenks, you know, building on the performance he put in against St Mirren uh, off of the bench. It, and he comes off the bench again on Saturday and, and this time bags a winner. It was an assist against Mirren and this time he bags a goal like he did in our last away win against Livingston. So maybe there's a wee theme there. Jenk scores away from home and the Dons come away with three points. But Callum, I think, you know, it's obviously a controversial um, winner, it's fair to say. I take it, you know, you were sitting in that side and did you even see that it was was handball at the time? I didn't. I thought maybe that was possibly what Xander Clark was uh, complaining about when he came running out of the goal, like uh, a bit like Mourinho out of the dugout. But um, I, I didn't. I admit I'm not just saying this. I admittedly I didn't actually see the, the handball properly. But I mm-hmm. thought there's something probably not right about that goal. And then afterwards, when you sent it in, uh, I thought, oh god, that is horrendous. Um, yeah. I think the the free kick originally, so Johnston maybe have some complaints about as well. Um, perhaps well they could view it maybe mm. as a little bit soft uh, Liam Craig and then I don't, um, between the referee and the assistant referee you must one of them you'd think would have at least spotted that because uh, mm. it's it's pretty it's basically as clear as day he bas- laid it off for himself with his own hand and almost caught the ball but um, yeah. at least it's got to be said give, give credit to him um, he played to the whistle and he got off a great strike Xander Clark didn't quite get near it, and then absolutely fine by me. Um, no complaints. Uh, I'm I'm very happy. However, also I'd like to get, say fair play Teddy Jenks as I whack the mic afterwards in the interview, just saying, "Oh, I don't really too much. I don't really remember too much about yeah. it." I like it. He knows fine well where that ball hit and, mm-hmm. and what happened. But I think you know, I it's it's ironic that Callum Davidson was. Um, complaining about the free kick in the build-up given how often St. Johnson liked to cause these niggly fouls and I did think at the time you know watching I could see why he maybe has a bit of complaints against it but it's clever play from Aberdeen in knowing the contacts coming and making sure you win the free kick and St. Johnson just don't deal with the initial ball it's kind of a little bit floated in from Funzo Ojo and mm. the, the referee is definitely not going to see that because of the way Jenks and I think there's a couple of St. Johnson players obstructing the view mm-hmm. uh, even the way like the way Jenks kind of hands it I think the referee's only ever mm-hmm. going to see Teddy Jenks' back and you know Shelley Kerr actually made a really uh, well a rare good point for her on sports scene that it was the linesman's probably too busy looking for offside mm-hmm. the than looking where the ball's gone because he's mm. probably expecting maybe Jenks to dink it over the top or that's his maybe attention's gone back to looking along the line but the point you've made there is why I made on, on Twitter on, on Saturday night was 
why is Xander Clark's first reaction to chuck his hand up in the air for handball? Mm. You're taught as a kid to play to the whistle. As a St. Johnson fan, I'd be obviously I'd be fuming at that goal being awarded, but I'd also be more annoyed that you know my keeper's not just thought, right, I'll just try and just concentrate. And then, you know, if you save it, you can be like, heaven, like, why is that near booking? Like, he's handled it and stuff like that. But the fact that he's, because he's off balance, mm-hmm. and I think he's almost momentum's taking him to the wrong side. And that's why. But you've got to credit Teddy Jenks because the, the technique involved, oh, yeah. he, the fact he keeps that controlled, he drills it low. And even if Xander Clark maybe does get an arm to it, he might it might have popped up in front and somebody can then get the rebound. It was just a really, really good bit of skill, but he doesn't manage to produce it if he doesn't get his arm involved. Oh, 100%. But to be fair, the, the fact he didn't hesitate, and he, he knows it's hit his hand, clearly, yeah. but he doesn't hesitate in getting the strike off anyway because he might get away with it. So why not? No VAR here, thankfully. Uh, let's mm-hmm. keep it that way or else we wouldn't have won. But also, yeah. like questions have to be asked. As much as questions can be asked about Xander Clark and what he's up to, the two St. Johnston headers going for the same uh, defenders going for the same <laughs> header and then heading it at Teddy Jenks rather than, rather than clear is questionable as well. So yeah. they had a chance to defend the set piece even before it got to that. So more yeah, exactly. Then. Yeah, it's not exactly a great ball, but as you said, you know they've not exactly covered themselves in glory. Neither of the officials, but hey, who are we to complain after recent weeks? We'll absolutely take it. And Callum, I suppose that's now three wins on the bounce. You know. Was show 98, show 99, we were speaking about relegation worries, how mm-hmm. much pressure was kind of on Stephen Glass, what we needed to do to save our season, how many games did he have left. We're now sitting a point off of the European places three games later. It's just kind of remarkable, but it just shows the tightness of the Cinch Premiership this season that if you can string a set of results together, you can climb the league. And I think over the, the course of the three games, each in their own unique way, we've seen the style that Stephen Glass wants to play. We've seen the results obviously coming, but we're seeing a new kind of grit and determination that I think, you know, maybe a few folk will disagree with me, but I, I, I don't think we ever saw that fight in some of those games. You know, the Dundee game in particular mm. sticks out for me, where I, I just thought players just looked disinterested, not not wanting to fight for the, the badge. And, I think we're starting to see that come again. Obviously, winning does breed confidence at the same time, but the fans are buying back into it from the results. We can see what's coming up. And it goes back to what Marley Watkins said, you know, before that Livingston game, we've got five winnable games coming up. We've now Mm -hmm. won three of them. Can we make it five out of five before that, you know, the game that's probably attracting a lot more interest in, in you know, that Rangers at home game? But equally, we've got a, a tricky trip to, to Hibs coming up and then the home game on Boxing Day against Dundee. Is, you're right. It's definitely encouraging to see that sort of great determination to get the results, even when, you know, maybe we're not being able to play that free-flowing, attacking, sexy football that mm. uh, we were promised. Still go and get the result regardless. Uh, I'd also like to mention, great point, the cinch is absolutely box office uh, so far this season. It's, it's, it's great stuff, but uh, I, think I've, a bit of a, I think I've predicted a bit of a roller coaster season from Aberdeen. I think that's what's yeah. happening. It wouldn't surprise me if we had another few games where, you know, like the Dundee game, like the Dundee United game, where it all went a bit peak tongue uh, again. But 
it's sort of what we've signed up for, I suppose. But it, it, you're right, it builds momentum, it ca- we carry it on, and going into the Hibs game, no reason to not be confident um, and hopefully we can get another away win. Now, imagine two back-to-back away wins, Glenn. That would yeah, be mental. That would be. And I, I was actually going to, it's funny you mentioned the roller coaster. I was going to ask you, uh, if, if we were currently on a roller coaster as, as a season, what part of the roller coaster would you describe the, Aberdeen are at right this second. Right. Okay. So we've had a few loops and turns. I think we could be on on the way up the big ascension right now. And mm-hmm. I think that'll carry on, hopefully, with the, the Hibs and Dundee Dundee game on Boxing mm-hmm. Day. And then we've got Rangers, where it could come plummeting down and there'll be a massive overreaction if we get absolutely gubbed. That's what I think is going to happen. But well, there'll be a few more twists and turns. There'll be a few more ups and downs. And uh, hopefully it'll make for an enjoyable experience come the end of it. And we'll think, yeah, I'll do that again. And Stephen Glass's con- uh, contract gets renewed, rolling contract carries on, and we go for another journey around the roller coaster. But hopefully it'll be uh, less scary and terrifying at times, and it'll just be more enjoyable. Yeah, and there's the roller coaster analogy you never knew you needed. You're well, welcome. Well described. But as you said, Calm, we've we've put ourselves in a good position. You know, we've built that momentum, and it's all about keeping that going into the game on Wednesday. You know, solidified our place in the top six thanks to Hibs kind of shit in the bed recently in the league. Uh, you know, a point clear of them now uh, ahead of the game coming up on, on Wednesday, and a real opportunity for us to kind of solidify that that top six place. Um, going into the the new year and and the winter break that that comes up in three games' time. Now, Calm, you said in our last episode that we were kind of entering a little bit of an international break, a little bit of extended break for Aberdeen. Hopefully, we've managed to spend some time on the training ground. I know the players did get a a few days off uh, to kind of rest and recuperate, which is always welcomed, I'm sure, by them. But off the field, things continue to roll down AB24. We had the AGM. Mm-hmm. Uh, as ever, there was, well, it was maybe a bit quiet this year, but there were still some talking points to come out of it that I think we should take a look at. I think so. I think, yeah, I think quiet is is a good word to describe it, actually. Um, there wasn't too much made of it, really. Um, obviously, we had some news on the stadium, some Ronald Hernandez talk. So let's get into it. Yeah, we'll start with the signings first. Um, it was announced that Jack McKenzie had committed to, to a contract extension signing up to 2025. And, and before that, Tom Ritchie, the highly rated uh, goalkeeper, had also signed a contract extension as well. He joins Kieran Gwenya, Kevin Henrati, Evan Towler and Ryan Duncan, who scored on his Peter Head debut uh, at the weekend, all in committing to contract extension. So it's quite exciting to see we, we've committed a good group of youth players on long-term contract extensions. You know, Calvin Ramsey also previously signing a contract extension. We know kind of the hype around him based Mm -hmm. on his start to the season. So it's good to see these young players in the club almost learning from mistakes of the past where we didn't tie down these long uh, young players uh, onto longer contracts and, and losing them for pennies. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, um, a few of the names mentioned, I'm not going to pretend I know a lot about, but if, you know, if they're highly thought of being um, awarded uh, good contracts, then that's obviously a plus sign. And you mentioned Calvin Ramsey there, obviously previously mentioning Jack McKenzie. Hopefully, we can uh, sort of sort of see, see these players being introduced. And I don't know if I don't think it's something that Stephen Glass will hesitate on doing. So it is very very encouraging to see. And also, 
players who want to be here as well, which is always nice signing those long contracts. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it, there's no um, worry about uh, McKenzie and that signing. You know, he's had a good start. He's obviously been a bit frustrating with, with injury. And I suppose when we speak about young players and leaving early, it kind of ties me in nicely before we move to the next point. Former young player and interviewee on the show, Jack Grimmer, give us a wee signed top. It was supposed to be in terms for the, the last raffle. Um, if you are listening, then this is kind of a bit irrelevant. Um, for those of you that are watching, you can see it's a, a signed uh, Wickham away top from this season's uh, FA Cup game against Hartlepool. It has been signed by the entire Wickham first team. So thank you, Jack, for sending us that. We will uh, raffle that off in the new year. Um, again, raising funds for Aber Necessities. Um, and we did a great job. Well, you guys did a great job in helping us raise over £500 for Aber Necessities and the Community Trust in our latest raffle. And we will get the, the funds set up for, for this one as well. But big thanks to Jack for, for donating that as a, as a prize. Massive. What a lovely man. What an excellent link that was by you. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, no, Jack is a top man. Really has a lot of time for us on, on, his, uh, on his DMs. But I'm sure he hates it every now and again. <laughs> Well, anyway, especially when I, sorry, especially yeah. when I messaged him about Tom Grennan when I was at the gig, I was like, Ooh, I am. what an idiot. Yeah. To be fair, at least oh, I yeah. actually messaged him about how Wickham are doing this season, not just where's my free tickets. I know I was more I was like, Luke, I'm going to see him. Luke, I I'm, never mind, move on. Yeah. If you want to know why Calm hasn't got tickets, go back to that Jack Grimmer uh, interview and hear the full story in that episode. And um, but moving on to the back to the AGM. The club announcing that we have over 9,000 season tickets, 9,154, with 700 corporate guests also having um, memberships there. Continuing um, improvement in the DNA subscriptions. I know a hotly uh, divisive topic, but good to see a consistent stream of income coming to the club from that for those that are maybe abroad and can't attend games on a regular basis. And obviously the, there was then discussion around the, the new stadium with Rob Wicks revealing that the earliest Aberdeen can look to be moving to a new stadium will be the 2025-26 season, which for me, I'm quite happy about. I do love Pataudry and it also gives me a chance to, to take the wee man to, to Pataudry before we move to, to Pastors New as well. But also Dave Cormack revealing, and he has said this before, where he would look to maybe build an initial capacity stadium around the 16 to 17 uh, K mark. I know with the discussions potentially for Kingsford, it was then to, to leave room to, to build more. Now, obviously, with the preferred site being uh, at the beach, or sorry, well, one of the suggested sites, I should say, uh, preferred by maybe me and you, Cal, mm -hmm. um, sites at the beach, the, the capacity could be restricted to, to 16, 17,000. How do you feel on that? I think it would be frustrating that there, if there wasn't room to um, expand. However, looking at attendances, how they've just been over recent years, really, not even just this season, it would still be enough. Uh, I just think it, I wish that, you know, for example, if we did become absolutely brilliant again, that there would be room for expanding. But I'm sure the council would uh, find a way to make that possible if need be. Um, uh, I, I happy, I, happy enough, I suppose. And I suppose maybe uh, in a stadium sort of that size, then it'll be more likely to be at capacity, perhaps uh, mm -hmm. providing a better atmosphere as well. Yeah, and I suppose you're kind of between a rock and a hard place, which is maybe where the 
stadium's going to be squeezed in if it's down at the beach, as some may say. But that 16, 17 capacity, when you look at the season tickets we've got, it's currently sitting at 9,000. Cormac was going on about getting 15,000 season mm. tickets. You're then only obviously limiting a small away end, but you don't really care about the away fans. As uh, you know, if we can get, as you say, you know, I, I kind of referenced it as if we could maybe kind of build it around a time castle way, you know, steep stands, get the crowd mm. on top. And that 16, 17,000 would be a lot more intimidating than, say, a 20, 22,000 with loads of empty seats going about. But on the other hand, I can fully see why people would want that 20,000 plus because when the old firm come to town, the European games, you know, the, the future talk about maybe hosting other events such as the Euros um, that Scotland wanted to be a part of for, I think it's 2030. Um, that then limits what events could be hosted at Pataudry outside of football, but also the potential of missing out on further revenue for these so-called bigger games that are likely to attract more people to. But up front, when we're going through you know difficult times, we've had to be saving money. I fully understand why the club are prepared to, to reduce capacity if it's going to save them about £10 million, as Dave Cormack was saying, because... You look at the season tickets, we've never been a club that are consistently hitting, you know, 14, 15,000 mm-hmm. week in, week out. I, I just think it makes financial sense. Yeah, I, I do think so. I, simply, if you look at it, there's going by tenses, there's not demand for a stadium any bigger than mm-hmm. uh, bigger than that. I think it would be ideal, I'd say, to sort of have that room for capacity, for example, if we do end up in sort of regularly getting to group stages or whatever, where plans will maybe be more likely to turn up, and then mm. it would be nice to then be able to have the room to um, expand. And um, But obviously that seems like a long, long way away uh, right now, I suppose. Yeah, it was interesting though, uh, one of my friends was saying that Surely, if you you know you build a stadium at sixteen, seventeen thousand, similar sort of location to where Pataudry is, there may be that new buzz around a new stadium. You might get an influx of people wanting to see what it's like, uh, and then you restrict it. But look, we're a one club city, and we've struggled to attract crowds on a regular basis. I don't really think a new stadium is going to do that straight away. But you never know if the product on the pitch continues in, in, to improve. Then we'll see what happens in the AGM there was also question marks as you said about Ronnie Hernandez his preference is to say in, in America who's shocked not me not you uh, I just think at this point in time he says an update will be given at the end of his loan period Dave mate just get us our money back uh, one of the worst transfers that that's happened in recent times certainly in terms of money spent Mm-hmm. And there's been a few uh, flops with money spent. I mean, look at Mr. Forrester, for example. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, I think everyone would have liked, you know, uh, it, it to work out. It would have been quite, quite romantic in a way. A Venezuelan come over to Pataudry and you know, setting there that right flank alight. But it's it's not been the case. I don't blame him for wanting to stay in America for you know for family reasons. Um, mm-hmm. Bit of a culture shock probably coming here as well. You can probably say. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it is a shame. But at this stage, yeah, get the money back. Basically, at some point, that would be that would be pretty nice rather than just consistent loans um, to Atlanta or otherwise. 
Yeah, I wonder where that ranks. I'm sure it was Paul Bernard that we spent a million pound on. Yeah. And he got sent off very quickly. I wonder where that ranks, Hernandez v. Bernard. I'm sure folk will let us know in the comments or uh, on YouTube or on Twitter at RTG underscore podcast. And, and Callum, there was also question marks around the missing Matty Kennedy, um, who's been out with a back injury. It was confirmed, but should be back in training ready for after the winter break. Or, as I looked at it, ready for the shop window. Um, as I'm sure the club will be looking to free up some wages in January. Uh, and I think if the right offer comes in for Matty Kennedy, I think it's fair to say he'll be leaving. I think so, yeah. I mean, you look at the team, as much as maybe he deserves a chance under glass, um, performances under under McInnes perhaps maybe weren't so great over the time, uh, over recent times. But, you know, I seem to he's not going to get in ahead of Ryan Hedges, you're not going to get in ahead of J-Man Thomas or... Well, you might Marley get in Robbins. ahead of Ryan Hedges if he leaves. Well, that's true. That is very true. That's something we have to consider, I suppose. I know, but also then you turn and I'd probably rather give the chance to Austin Samuels, who as much as we're probably not going to end up buying him, there's McLennan. still a possibility. And then McLennan, yeah, I'd much rather probably see them give the chance ahead of mm. uh, Matty Kennedy, who he's probably not going to improve much um, with more game time, but... Oh, I mean, it, it's it's curious, it's curious. And also, even more curiouser, it's definitely not a word, Mikey Devlin. Yeah, Mikey, Mikey Devlin. Given a six-month deal to prove his fitness, now we've come in for a bit of flack for this on the on the, the tweet that we put out. You, you uh, tweeted it, you tweeted it. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, I did tweet it, saying that if we could prove our fitness, would we be given a deal? It was said in the summer that he was given a six-month deal to prove his fitness, and I don't know, but I've not seen him play football. I actually don't even remember the last time he played football. But he hasn't proved his fitness. He's not fit enough to, to feature for this Aberdeen team. So why are we thinking of giving him another deal? I don't see what we've done. If you look at our defensive struggles this season, surely we are better placed in releasing the player... Well, I was more, that's maybe sounds a bit harsh, releasing the wage, free up the wage to get somebody more likely to have a positive impact on this team. You know, I've seen folks say, oh, it's maybe, you know, we've got a duty of care. That's what we did with Greg Lee. We signed him in January. He got injured and then we kept them on for six months just because we felt bad for him. I mean, just because he's got a sore ankle doesn't mean we need to keep him about the place until the summer. It's, it's not a care home. It's a football club. I don't think by now we have a, a duty of care. I mean, I think with that six-month deal, that was sort of the chance. And okay, yeah, he's he's not he's not got fit unfortunately in that time. Um, in which case, just give him a year deal if it's going to take if they knew it was going to take longer. Then what was the point mm. of faffing about with a six-month one? Um, I'm sure he's a very nice man. Um, I quite like him as a footballer when fit, but unfortunately, he's just he's not been fit, and I think they would probably be better off using those wages for another option at, at centre-back when, I mean, we've needed it, really. I mean, what would yeah. have happened if, yeah, we saw, actually, no, never mind what would have happened. We saw what happened. We had to play Scott Brown at centre-back, like Dean Campbell in there and stuff. It's a total yeah. disaster. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, unfortunately, I think Mikey Devlin's time in, Aber- in Aberdeen should should be up, whether uh, we seem like a nice club, though. At least, at least that's one thing. Good, good place yeah. to work, maybe. 
Uh, good place to to get a bit of money if you're injured. Then come on, come on up to the northeast of Scotland. Um, and I suppose finally, before we look ahead to the uh, the game against Hibs, which is taking place next week, because we do not have a game this weekend. Uh, Funzo Ojo in relation to the Dungeon United game. Now we can't obviously talk too much on this, given that the uh, incident is now going to to court. But quite mad how he has found himself being charged when a fan has got himself into a restricted area at Tanadice and um, Funzo Ojo has now been charged with assault. Um, pretty, pretty still remarkable how this rumbles on. Yeah, I mean, stand by Funzo Ojo. The, the, uh, obviously, his fans probably got into the restricted area. He's probably been in the corporate on the drink all day mm. and he's probably been a pest to Food Sojo after what happened and he's probably not taken very kindly to it given um, his early experience in the day. Obviously, don't know exactly what happened. That's what I'm sort of um, guessing. Okay, I mean, I don't really, I'm not really bothered. I like Food Sojo. Keep playing him. Stand by him. We are yeah. all Food Sojo. <laughs> well, it's good to see the club have come out and you know said they're they're offering him support and um, despite what is going on off the field and you know he's not let what is going on off the field affect his on-field performances um, and I'm sure we'll still continue to use his services until Calvin Ramsey is back fit but even if Calvin Ramsey comes back into right back we know that he's more than capable of slotting into our midfield so mm-hmm. he's really proved um, a good utility player for us this season and I suppose that's something that Callum will look into maybe t- towards the, the back end after these uh, upcoming games is obviously coming up to the January transfer window and um, so for a bit of additional content uh, as before the, the winter break we'll look at the squad and who's coming out of contract to towards the summer so who would you look to keep would you look to maybe cash in on some of these players in the January transfer window and um, so so stay tuned to that on, on red tinted glasses but as I said we travel to Edinburgh on Wednesday three days before Christmas looking to make it four wins in a row and back to back away wins as Callum said and joining us to preview that game as always is Hibs fan Michael Monin. Well, Michael, welcome back to Red Tinted Glasses. We're recording this on Thursday. You've got a cup final to look forward to on Sunday. How are you feeling ahead of that game? Um, well, for, firstly, thank you for welcoming me back. Uh, cup final, I don't know. It's it's a weird feeling, right? I don't, And I don't know if this is because we're not playing that well or we've been at Hamden quite a lot in recent years, but it's just like, Quite an apathetic feeling at the moment, to be honest. Um, I, I'm like usually I'd be buzzing, but I'm just kind of like, oh, it's another, it's another game, isn't it? But um, Saturday night, Saturday night will be rip roaring, ready to go. But right now, I'm just kind of like, it's what it is. Do you think that has the apathy has anything to do with um, sort of your late bus cancellation, perhaps? Um, no. No, no, this is this has preceded that. Um, oh, league dear. form instead. Yeah, <laughs> poor league form. Well, it's just I, I don't. I mean, I, I had a very similar feeling before the um, Rangers game, the semi-final. Mm. I was just kind of like, I'm going to have a good day until kick off, and then whatever happens <laughs> is actually out of my control. I've I've actually started to realise that nothing I do can affect how Hibs play. It's taken you this long and, to realise that. And uh, I'm just kind of like, I'm going to have a good day. 
and then if they decide to enhance it or ruin it, then that is entirely on them. That's fair. And then presumably the outcome of that final will uh, have an impact on that game against Aberdeen. Uh, how are you feeling about that? I don't know, because this is another... I said this to you last night when um, Celtic scored in the 90... Well, mm-hmm. whenever the ref played until they scored, but... Uh, <laughs> I said this to you, I was like, it would have been worse for us if they dropped points because then they would have to have a reaction and they would have to sort of like bounce back with it. And I'm not True. saying that like that's not going to happen because mm. they won, but I just, I don't know, I think it's probably quite a good thing that they did win mm. for us. But I don't, and to coin the phrase a cup final because it, well, it it's just a one off game and anything yes. can happen. Um, <laughs> So I don't I don't know. Uh, and with regards to Aberdeen, I don't think it's going to have any bearing on our game against Aberdeen unless we get people injured. Mm, suppose. I, I suppose I suppose one bearing on on the game on Wednesday against Aberdeen could be who's in charge or who's in the dugout. Obviously, rumours around Sean Maloney um, set to take charge of of Hibs. Obviously, David Grayson be in charge uh, on on Sunday. What, what's your thoughts on the potential appointment of Sean Maloney? Um, I think it's a lot better than what it could have been, but I don't know. I mean, is it like it's just paper talk, isn't it? Mm. Like, nothing's actually harmed except papers have said it's got to be him. But mm. until I see the scarf over the head, I am, I am not buying it. Who were you maybe referring to uh, there that it's better than it could have been, uh, Michael? Any, uh, any former Aberdeen managers in particular? Um. <laughs> Or former Hibs managers. Yeah. Derek McInnes, I mean, I would... It was bad enough watching his team four times a season, never mind 38 times a season. Uh, nah, I'm just... Neil Wynn as well, folk with Neil Wynn, I was like, you don't go... You don't, it's, in, it's in the past. Mm. It's in the past. You don't want to just fresh blood, new person. John Maloney's exciting. Uh, not a fan of Gary Caldwell, though. No, that's, uh, that's an interesting one as a, as an assistant. And I suppose when, you know, some of the names in, in the summer were, well, I suppose pre-summer were getting banded about for the, the new Aberdeen manager, Sean Maloney was one that was certainly exciting me and a few other Aberdeen uh, managers. And if he is to take the job, it'll be interesting to to see how he gets on. You know, Stephen Glass has found himself under loads of pressure from the, the West Coast media. And it'll be interesting if Sean Maloney steps into the dugout column, if he'll find himself under similar sort of scrutiny that, that Stephen Glass has found. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. I think it would be um, probably a, quite a good appointment for him. So obviously, I have absolutely no idea, nothing to base us off, as he's never been in charge of anyone properly for himself. But obviously, he's had a good good uh, learning curve with Belgium, uh, etc. Obviously, an experienced professional uh, as a player. And um, it would have been someone that I would have been quite happy to uh, take at Aberdeen, but obviously when he was linked. But um, I think it'll be interesting, as you say, and see if he gets the same scrutiny. I think Tam Courts maybe had it uh, to start with mm. as well before he sort of silenced them. It's just anyone whose first manager jail job is like sort of professionally, they just have a go at it, really, it seems. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, certainly one that will be watched with intrigue, but obviously hoping that it falls flat on its face if it, if it does go ahead for, for obvious reasons. And Michael, you know, Hibs had a positive start to the season. You know, they were rightly receiving plaudits for um, their their early season, you know, profits that they were getting out of games. But 
of late, the season's kind of fell apart. Obviously, Jack Ross has now lost his job. But one emerging light from your season, certainly the last couple of months, has been midfielder Josh Campbell. What has he brought to, to Hibs over recent weeks? Um, I think, well, I'll, I'll answer that in a minute, but I think that our good start to the season was down to um, Kyle McGuinness. Mm. He was he was a very important part of our midfield, uh, and he got injured just before. Right, end of, I want to say end of September because he wasn't playing. He wasn't playing when we played you the last time, and I no. remember. I remember in one of my uh, takes doing the team lineups um, <laughs> that I was putting him in on the proviso that he would be back back from injury, but obviously mm. he wasn't, and still isn't. So. We've missed him. Josh Campbell's been good though. He's young, but he's, I don't know, he's just sort of brought an energy to the place, which, mm. is, which is very good. But I think, yeah, he's, he's still got a lot to learn, obviously, but he's, he's, he's better than what could have came in. I yeah, and I suppose, Callum, you know, looking at the, that sort of energy that, that Hibs maybe possess in, in the midfield will be something, especially at home, we've seen how Hibs like to, to take the game to, to teams obviously lost uh, late on against Rangers uh, in that game. And it was a quite spectacular own goal that saw them over uh, the line against Dundee. But, you know, I suppose in a game against Aberdeen pre-Christmas, big crowd probably going to be there, certainly uh, a boisterous away end, I'm sure. But Hibs will be looking to maybe exploit Aberdeen with, with that explosive pace. I think so. Maybe uh, maybe looking at uh, Baldy Biscuit, as he's been branded by Lewis Ferguson and Scott Brown. You know, maybe <laughs> Campbell's legs might look to get a better of him. And certainly, of course, when, when you've got Martin Boyle against either sort of Pretendy fullback we've currently got right now, mm. uh, which could always be which could always be a massive danger. I think he can cause problems against anyone in the league, um, regardless of whether it's Funso Ojo and Johnny Hayes who are filling in uh, or not. But I sort of I think I'm still confident. Weirdly, a lot more confident I think than I was going into the one up tawdry. Um, mm. Now that we've you know we've actually won a couple of games, which is which is nice, uh, makes a change. But um, and obviously Hibs poor form as well. Hopefully we can rather than them exploiting us, we can exploit them, and um, hopefully another decent performance. But most importantly, a win. Yeah, and I think to to, to build on the point you made there, it's, a, it's funny what winning games can do for confidence. The fact that we only won this our second away game of the season, and suddenly we're we're confident for a trip to to Edinburgh, which is very unheard of. I also think, as we discussed earlier, that. The kind of the partnership that McCrory and Bates have formed and they're kind of flourishing and is going to help us in this game as well. You know, Nisbet, this was probably going to come back to bite me, but has been largely ineffective over recent weeks. And Christian Doidge is maybe, I don't know, Michael, if you want to agree on this or not, is maybe still finding his feet after uh, injury and obviously suspension that you picked up as well. Um, and I suppose another positive from Aberdeen, I'm going to let you have your rant here, Michael, is Hibb's inability to defend crosses once again um, coming to fruition at St Mirren when late on Joe Shaughnessy knocked home the equaliser again coming from a cross. So definitely something, if Hibs want to exploit Aberdeen via pace, we'll just pump balls into the box and sooner or later it'll result in a goal. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'll just go back to your first point before I wind myself up. Um, <laughs> with Christian Doidge, 
Yeah, well, he got 70-odd minutes on Tuesday because Cadden went off injured, um, which is good. And to be honest, thinking about Sunday, um, after watching the Celtic game last night, I would quite like Dodge to start against that Starfelt because mm-hmm. Starfelt got bullied off that um, Jordan White or whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. It was, it, all he did was just play long balls to him. So I would quite like Dodge to be playing on Sunday, but I understand that that's not why I'm here. Um, so for the game against Hibs, uh, our inability to defend crosses is is actually quite frightening because I said what I said I said it the last time I was on here. And this is what I mean by not letting Hibs get to me because it doesn't matter what any of us say, we all see it and they... I, I don't understand, right, how when you do match analysis and they all sit down mm-hmm. and watch a game and you've got mm-hmm. all these sports science guys and expected goals and all this nonsense, right? <laughs> how can you watch your team lose the same kind of goal every game and re- no, no start to think, right, I'm starting to see a wee bit of a pattern here because we're talking about patterns for expected goals and mm. like probabilities and winning games and that and if percentage play and all this. If we lose a goal for across every game, realise, look, I think it'd be beneficial for us to work on defending crosses. Or am I, is that just too simple? I think it's a bit too simple, especially when you start losing defenders when they can't keep the head at Livingston either. Wow. Oh, well, that, that, that was the end of Mr. Ross because Paul McGinn and Paul Hanlon wouldn't say booty a goose. The two of, <laughs> mo- two of the most placid players in Edinburgh, never mind that our team, and they both get sent off. Yeah, yeah. it was it was a it was a a bad night, a bad end to a bad night, but it had a good outcome. Mm. Long term, long term success was calm though that's definitely something that Aberdeen will look to exploit though Hibs kind of vulnerability at the back which it it seems weird us talking about teams being vulnerable at the back given how vulnerable we have been um, throughout the season yeah it does seem a little bit rich doesn't it but and, you know when as soon as McCrory and Bates have had a good game you know they're they're basically Maldini and Brazy back there um, so, it's all, so it's all good Um Whereas you know, in, uh, in terms of Hibs, and, you know, it's weird when we were speaking about uh, exploiting their frailties, but they do have that. And as we've said, you know, defending crosses and things like that. I'm confident. And then when you've got you know Ramirez in there, Hedges, Watkins, if they can form slightly better than they did against St Johnston, perhaps, uh, then it can cause problems. But we know they've got it, they've got it in them, and then you know they turned up in the big games last time. So hopefully it'll happen again. Yeah, and I remember the actual question I was going to ask you was, was you dubbed in our last episode, which was our 100th episode, that we were kind of having a little bit of an international break in, in a weird sort of way, given it was 11 days between um, the St. Johnson game and the game on Wednesday. Do you actually think that given Hibs have had that big fixture pilot between um, the last time we played, mm-hmm. do you think that's going to work in our favour come Wednesday night? I think so. Uh, it's it's not enough time for them to lose sort of sharpness. I mean, presume intensity mm-hmm. in training would have been good, and obviously, uh, Hibs with their problems, uh, some suspensions, etc., and obviously the pile up of games too. You'd like to think that hopefully they are becoming a bit more leggy, but I've thought this many a time before, especially in Europe too. 
uh, well, when there's European games and we've uh, it's not made any difference whatsoever. So I'm just going to hold my tongue slightly a little bit, but I'd like to think that hopefully they've had sort of 11, a gap of 11 days of uh, team games, plenty of time to work on things on the training pitch with the focus just on the head scheme, um, no distractions, no players away for international breaks. Um, so hopefully things will all go to plan and they've had plenty of time to work, to execute a perfect plan. Yeah, and Michael, would that be a concern, I suppose, from a Hibs point of view, the fact that Aberdeen are coming into this game well-rested? And I suppose, like we said, we're recording this on Thursday, so depending, obviously, how the, the, the cup final goes. But but will it be sooner rather than later that those amount of games do catch up on Hibs? I mean, were you looking leggy in the, the final stages on Wednesday? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think I think it's a disgrace right that we have to play all these games in a short period of time especially when there's a gap of, there's a, a, a needless a needless a three week gap in January why why are we going to play all these games right um, and then what difference does it make whether you play them now or like as long as I played before the split, then I don't understand mm-hmm. why there's this um, need, need to. Play to yeah, um, but what was the question? <laughs> Do you think the games are going to catch up with you? No, no. I think it's actually a good thing to. I, I know I've just said that it's a disgrace, but I actually think it's it's not it's not necessarily a bad thing unless you get the only problem you're worried about is injuries. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And I think is if players are playing constantly, I mean, it's it's fine. The professional footballers, you should be able to play two games of football in a week. Mm. Mm. And True, you know, a chance, suppose... chance to build up momentum, but that would only work if well, they're getting good is, results. That's the problem. This is what I was going to say. And now, am I allowed to ask you a question? Am I? I, am I am, uh-huh. right. Do you think? Because obviously, he's have won three games uh, within a week. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that this 11-day break or whatever it is would curb or halt the momentum that's built up? Good question. Um, I don't know. I think possibly because I suppose, you know, you look at it as Khan coined it being an international break. You want to keep that momentum going. But, you know, as we were talking about earlier in the show that it wasn't necessarily a pretty win over over St Johnson's mm-hmm. side but then you know as well I suppose beating St Johnson isn't always a pretty thing but I suppose that's the only team you're really managing to beat this season Michael and I suppose you know it's just about wanting to keep that going and if we can get another away win under our belts get that four point gap on you know Hibs who have been supposedly doing really well this season up until late can maybe look into the winter breaking in a good position. I don't know how you feel about it, Cal. Um, I th- I think it's a good point. I mean, I suppose you probably when you're winning games, you probably do want them to come uh, thick and fast. But um, I guess if you look at the positive side, then they'll have they'll have time to have a bit of a rest, a good time on the training pitch uh, with just mm-hmm. sort of one focus. But I, I, it, is a, it is a very good question, and I suppose they could lose momentum because you probably are wanting just to get onto that next game, get the next win under the belt, and keep going. Um, so hopefully that sort of side of things haven't played into things and uh, things will be okay because it is still three wins on the bounce so there's reason to be confident Yeah, absolutely confident and cheerful which not often we can say this season and 
And Michael, you spotted while well, on on the coverage that Scott Brown and Henry Appleu were in attendance at Easter Road on mm-hmm. on Wednesday night in your one 0 victory over Dundee. Mm-hmm. Probably on a, a lot of scouting mission ahead of the game on Wednesday. Do you think they'll have learned much from that game, uh, or do you think they'll have fallen asleep during it? Well, before I answer that, um, I would like to refer. I would like to go back to what you said previously about mm-hmm. um, Hibs apparently being in great form. We've won one game in ten. Uh, but the reason why you never heard about it and why the apparently it was the biggest shock in the world that Jack Ross got sacked is because Jack Ross never got questioned, he never got criticised, he never mm. he was sort of immune to any sort of negative press. Mm. If anybody follows me on Twitter, they know that I was not happy with Mr. Ross. Mm. Um and that was a feeling amongst the hip support. And I think the Livingston game was that bad and it was such the way that the way that happened and just the the capitulation and players losing their discipline, etc. That's how I knew it was done, because not only did folk chant from to go, mm-hmm. but the happy clappers either joined in or didn't stop it. And when your happy clappers turn on you, mm. you're gone. You're gone. That's what you, you need. If you're in a crisis, you need the happy clappers to stay with you, and. Sorry, but the happy clap was turned. Anyway, on to your second question. Um, Mr. Brown and Mr. Apple, I think, would have learned nothing. Um, mm. It was a terrible game. Um, I think we, I mean, we defended reasonably well. Uh, for a change. <laughs> for a change. Um, I th- it just wasn't a good game of football. I mean, there's mm. not really much to say. It was a great header from the guy. Um, yeah, McMullen. Probably one of the best headers I've actually seen at Easter Road. Um, but, and to, I mean, it was just a, just a, a run-of-the-mill rearranged game, to be honest. Mm. Nothing nothing of... Note. I hope, I hope they didn't have to pay to get in. That's all I'll say. <laughs> well, it's not, it'll, it'll be interesting to, to see because I was listening to an interview with Scott Brown on on Red TV today about how how much uh, Apolu spends at analysing games and analysing opposition. So I'm sure he'll have found some benefit of it, even if you didn't enjoy the game. And I'm sure that they'll, they'll be working on something over the the, the coming days on on how to exploit um, Hibbs' weaknesses. But but certainly you know a big game. And as I said earlier in the episode, there about kind of the league position because Aberdeen currently holding sixth place in the league. Obviously, Hibbs have got aspirations of not only being in the top six, but but getting themselves in into Europe as well. So it, it, important because obviously Hibbs' poor form now that their their level on in terms of games played with Aberdeen and they're still going to be behind us now due to those drop points. Right, I mean... Sorry, Carl. Michael. No, no, it's okay. On you go. I want to hear what you have to say after that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I I don't know about you, but see if Hibs don't win, I don't check the table. <laughs> I, I do. I, I, just, I, just leave, I just don't want to look at it. Mm. I don't want to think about it. And as I said to... The league's sat tight that... Mm. Every day's within like five or like a couple of wins for each other. Do you know what I mean? So if I want like Aberdeen, for instance, use were like was panic stations like a, was. a fortnight ago, and now use mm-hmm. are like getting beach ball for a European trip. Do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> it's, it's 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 it can change really quickly. But mm. you just you need you need to win games of football, mate. And I'm not I'm not trying to go Michael Owen here, but 
If you don't win games of football, it's going to be really hard for you to do anything, right? But it's, I don't know. I mean, if we win next Wednesday, then mm. what's the difference? Because as I said, I have not, I've not checked the table for about three weeks. I don't know. So yeah, if we beat you on Wednesday, you what two points above us. Right, so exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's a point in it at the moment. It goes from Hibs crisis to immediately uh, they're looking back sitting pretty again, I suppose. And it turned like it, we've, we've, we've both got quite a difficult um, festive fixture list, I think. Mm. Yeah, both play the um, Dundee clubs and both play the old firm as well. Yeah, and you've got a trip to Dingwall as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whilst we play our friends from across the city. <laughs> um, but I'm just, I, my point is, it's just. It's easy to get carried away and it's easy to get too down when mm. it's, it's not required because, as I say, only a, a win or two and you're, you're back where you sort of want to be. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point Michael makes there, Callum. I suppose from an Aberdeen point of view, we've obviously you know got the win against Hibs at Pataudry earlier this season. You know, we've been unbeaten against Hearts so far this season as well. You know, It's kind of beating the teams that we should be expecting to beat, that we've kind of struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose you know as Michael says maybe a bit early to continuously be looking at the table but you know suppose like come the end of the season you want to be beating those teams that you should or you would maybe expect um, to be in and around those European places and Hibs would be one of those teams you would expect to be there um, so it is kind of important for us to just carry that momentum on that we've had um, from mm-hmm. the three previous games by by getting a positive result on, on Wednesday Easter Road yeah, I think it's massively important, especially um, it's, can you continue the building momentum, looking a little bit further ahead, even past the Dundee game to that game against Rangers, mm. and also just ending it before this little winter break or uh, in a in a good position and on a positive note, um, heading towards that. Uh, I think it's yeah, it's it's interesting that we have now started. We've won three games, and those are the games you'd sort of be expecting us to win. And as you said, that we've not been doing so far. So it'll now mm. be interesting to see if now in the game against Hibs. Um, a team will probably be competing with for the European spots uh, see how we do off the back of a few good results so obviously last time we managed to get a good result off against them but that was after a terrible run of uh, of form as well so um, yeah. it'll be interesting I think it'll, it should be a good game it'll be a good game under the lights uh, I'm sure um, as you say have you mentioned boisterous crowd so hopefully um, we've got a new food menu as well oh wow mm. that is from, fantastic from Ron, Ron McCon has brought in so <laughs> Um, Goodness me! Just still disappointed. The pizza and chips—that's gone now, hasn't it? Uh, I no, you can get. A, I, I I don't quote me, but you can. There's a it's a some a variation of it. Uh, it's okay. not it's not the pizza that you know though. Oh, that was always a that was always a highlight after after Middleton's anyway. Uh, but no, Michael, as as always, been a pleasure to get you on Red Tinted Glass to give a um, Hibernian perspective as the teams look to face each other a few days before Christmas. Uh, despite the result, I hope you have a, a good Christmas and New Year. I'm sure we'll catch up with you uh, in the New Year. Okay, and to you, thank you very much for having me. No problem at all. That was Michael Monin, as always, with his unique take on all things Hibernian, looking forward to the game on Wednesday. Um, I'm sure he'll have an interesting time at Hamden at the weekend, but, but Callum, uh, as always, you know, something we've got to keep this momentum going on Wednesday. 
One hundred percent. It is absolutely massive, as we just mentioned. Um, to keep that going after uh, three wins on the bounce, and also going into the the further festive fixtures, and also just keep that festive cheer going about the place. That would be nice. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope you enjoy the game. Once again, you're going to be the, the member of the podcast in attendance two in a row. And unfortunately, I don't have enough time off work uh, coming up year end, as we mentioned at the start of the show, is really killing me just now. Um, but uh, if I can finish work at a decent time, I may host a watch along on the YouTube channel. So if you are new to the show, because uh, we have had some new subscribers, as we said earlier, uh, this past few days on YouTube, also some new followers on our Twitter account at RTG underscore podcast. The watch along will be on YouTube and possibly on Twitter as well. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. No guarantees because, like I said, it's a busy, busy few days coming up, but uh, hopefully something we can work on. But we will be back with a review episode. We might do a live for that, Callum. Uh, if we both got time on the Thursday, Thursday lunchtime, something like that. Yeah, it might be a little bit easier than uh, well, there's a lot of going on really isn't there a quick turnaround yeah. Christmas all that faff yeah you know, we might do a wee live episode for you on the 23rd of December uh, obviously that would then still come out on audio in the in the evening but it would be live on our Twitter page and YouTube on the Thursday lunchtime and similarly that will also include a preview for the Dundee game on Boxing Day and we'll maybe do another live because it is Callum said a lot going on quick turnarounds There'll be another live between the Rangers and Dundee games there, previewing that that fixture. And then normal service will maybe look to resume after that game. Uh, and before we take a couple of weeks break uh, into the new year as the, the, the league shuts down, because you probably don't want to hear us chat rubbish uh, about the not goings on in the winter break. But once again, thank you very much for tuning in. And until next time. Thank you.